Hello, and welcome to the Verge ESP podcast, a podcast about art and science on the Verge. My name is Emily Yoshida. I am the entertainment editor at The Verge. I'm Liz Lopato. I'm the science editor at The Verge. How about that Rihanna video? Let's just get straight to the oh, biggest man. news of the ha- week. Screw Game of Thrones. Screw everything else that's happened this week. Rihanna did a Star Trek music video. Okay, so I have <laughs> lots of thoughts, and I am just going to throw a couple of them out in no particular order. Uh, first of all, I'm not a huge Sia fan, um, so this song doesn't <laughs> quite do it for me. Yeah. And second, the music video reminds me that Rihanna can't dance at all. Well, we need a reminder every now and then that our heroes are mortal. I, for one, there are about as many things that I like about this video that I don't like. I think it's pretty cool. Like, it's a pretty cool move to make an IMAX music video. It's like just, I mean, it's the same thing as like making a concept album in 2016. Like, just like throwing all of your body weight against the nature of how people consume uh media now it's to, to make an IMAX music video and to do it with um oh gosh I'm I'm completely forgetting her name now uh the director of this music video is uh, famous she did the beautiful people music video she's done a lot of David Bowie music videos I think she's Italian I'm I'm completely forgetting this name but anyway she's a big time music video director so like that seems like a power move right like fuck it I'm gonna do a uh, IMAX music video with a super famous director and I'm gonna be like I'm gonna get rid of my eyebrows Uh, Floria Sigismondi Floria Sigismondi that's right yeah and I don't know there's like some ridiculous quote of Rihanna somewhere saying yeah I'd never I'd never watched Star Trek before and then I watched one episode and I was hooked I'm a Trekkie now well so (laughs) I I actually watched that video interview because I was curious about it and she's talking about watching it with her dad when she was little (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's um, I mean that's great if true like I'm very happy about that I just I think I, t- I I don't know if I'm completely misquoting this but I think I did read somewhere or somebody said like, yeah yeah that she was like oh I watched one episode and I was hooked and I was like that's not how Star, Star Trek works <laughs> Star Trek does not hook you from one episode I'm sorry like I love Star Trek but I don't know but that's my feeling about it I don't know As somebody who tried really hard to go back and watch all of The Next Generation, which is a very important show for me, I just couldn't stick with it. But that's the nature of TV then and now, I guess. Anyway, great, great, great content, Rihanna. Keep it coming. Um, Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, if Rihanna's removing her eyebrows for the summer, maybe we should all remove our eyebrows for the summer. Like, that's that's the thing we should all do. I, I just need to figure out how they do this for the movies. Like, you know, I, I remember that um, on Top Model, Tyra used to bleach and or remove her model's eyebrows sometimes to, like, give them a look. I was like, dang, that's kind of permanent. Like, I, didn't didn't Lucille Ball shave her eyebrows and they never grew back or something? I feel like that was, like, uh, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that that is a thing. Uh, it's also yeah. how Christian Slater got, like, those eyebrows. Oh, those teeny tiny. Them. Oh, yeah. wow. And then they, they grew back in. But, um, you know, drag queens routinely wax their eyebrows. Yes. Like they, they put, like, wax over them and block mm-hmm. them out. So I would not be totally surprised if that's what uh, Rihanna was up to, too. Send us your eyebrow secrets, Rihanna. We must know. I hit a wall. I that I would hurt 
So, you know, you gotta you gotta take your enjoyment in life where you can, whether it's a Rihanna video or a cookie dough. But the FDA has warned against eating raw cookie dough and not for the reasons that you would ordinarily expect. Because, you know, raw cookie dough contains raw egg, which is why it's so great. True. And I real. love raw egg. <laughs> I do, too. I like it in cocktails also. But, you know, there's a salmonella risk. But the reason the FDA has been warning about raw cookie dough is that actually some flour had been contaminated with E. coli. So it's not even the egg you need to be watching out for. So yeah, be real careful with that raw cookie dough, my friends. It looks it looks innocent and enticing and delicious, and it potentially could be your downfall. So, so this would include then not just like homemade like salt of the earth. Like I I really made some cookie dough, but like they have fake cookie dough that they put in like cookie dough flavored ice cream that does not have raw egg in it. This would affect that as well. Yeah, that's right. Oh man. Um, I mean, trouble. like, you know, the cookie dough flavored ice cream hopefully isn't, I don't know, I, I hope that it's not containing this this uh, flour. But, but what about cookie dough bites at the, ice, at, the, at the movie theater? I'm listing off things that I personally, like, can't stand. I think that these things are disgusting, but I know well, people enjoy so, them. Um, <laughs> it's, the, the problem is specifically flour that came out of a Kansas General Mills outpost. And so the company has recalled, like, millions of pounds. And that's, like, gold medal flour, signature kitchens flour. Hmm. So if you have that in your cupboard, you might just want to, like, do a quick check to make sure that you don't have the stuff that's making people sick. But I don't know how that affects commercial cookie dough, actually. Yeah. It's a good question. Uh, I would I would maybe steer clear of cookie dough ice cream for the, the time being. I'm always asking the tough questions when it comes to ice cream flavors and um, movie theater snacks. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, there has been an interesting development in the land of streaming media. I know, I know we're going from cookie dough to streaming media. It's like super exciting. Uh, Netflix, which has sort of famously never released any numbers regarding its shows, had some numbers released on its behalf. Not on its behalf. Um, it did not release them. Netflix did not release these numbers, but um, Nielsen did, the, the company that did, does um, the ratings for all the traditional broadcasters. They had, I guess, developed a way to monitor what people were watching from streaming services by doing a kind of um, sound recognition thing with the... Um, with the Nielsen boxes so they could, you know, ostensibly measure uh, people were watching House of Cards and or like it, it, along with anything else that was broadcast traditionally. So Netflix doesn't release these numbers because Netflix's business model, of course, does not rely on advertisers and different ratings for different shows. But these numbers were recorded for the production companies of the shows and not through Netflix. So Nielsen released numbers for like two streaming services shows, I think, uh, or maybe three. But interestingly, Orange is the New Black was one of the ones that it released numbers on, and their numbers were very good. Their numbers put them up there in the ranks of like a Walking Dead or a or a Game of Thrones, like some of the you know most watched shows. That's for the first three days of an episode being out. So the when uh, this season of Orange is the New Black was released on Netflix in the first three days. I think I think of 6.7 million people watched the first episode. That's a lot of people. And I think it's just sort of interesting to ha finally have something to go off of about Netflix because we we know uh, anecdotally that, you know, these shows are popular when they when they come out, they dominate the conversation. You've got people who are wildly 
fanatical about, you know, Orange is a New Black or or even comedies or like BoJack Horseman released a new trailer this week and everybody was super, you know, you know that people like them, but we don't have numbers the way we do about Game of Thrones or anything else to measure that. And a lot of that in my, this is the editorial sidebar part of this, a lot of that in my opinion is a really good thing because it, one, it doesn't have anything to do with how Netflix conducts business and it also takes the pressure off of them to like have everything be a high performer. In a lot of ways, Netflix's model right now is a lot like newspapers used to be. You buy the whole thing and individual articles or pieces of content are not graded for how they perform individually. It's more about how the whole the whole entity performs. So I, I don't know. I'm 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 still okay being in the dark about Netflix Netflix's numbers, but it is interesting to know that Orange is the New Black, which is, you know, obviously one of their biggest shows, is doing as well as it is. So You know, just before before we finish this off, I can I just air a beef a personal beef with netflix sure i am extremely sick of (laughs) them putting these big flashy things for shows i don't give a shit about in front of like resume watching like they're like Hmm. watch this on netflix and i'm like scrolling to find like the david attenborough documentary (laughs) that i was just watching like not only do you know that i'm not going to watch this because you know what my viewing habits are like you are actively making it more difficult for me to watch the thing that i do want to watch like what the hell netflix uh i would take advertisements for in-platform content like whatever the thing is that week over an advertisement for Tide or for a Samsung phone or something any day of the week. I would much rather have that. Like an ad free Netflix is like great. It's all shows. I don't care if I don't watch a lot of them. Like I don't that's my personal opinion though. Yeah. I, I just want I just want to have the thing that I was actually watching to just be a little higher in the mix so I don't have to like and like uh, a couple of these like little trailer things would actually like slow down my computer so much that I couldn't scroll. I mean, it was just a bad experience. Oh yeah. So you're talking about on on a desktop, not on the not on a, uh, a Apple TV or Roku situation. Correct. I do not own a television, so I watch anything I watch. I am watching on my computer. Haven't you heard? Owning a television is the hot new thing. <laughs> yeah, I just have never been cool, so that's fine. <laughs> That, that transition you just heard was a, a newly released song by Trent Reznor and Atticus Rose. And they've, they've worked together on a bunch of film scores. But they, uh, they released this new uh, track. It's called Juno for NASA's Juno mission, which is going to be arriving at Jupiter on July 4th. So that's kind of exciting. <laughs> that this, this this has a this this mission has a theme song, but basically NASA is like sticking a spacecraft in orbit around Jupiter, and it's going to arrive on the night of July fourth after oh. one point seven billion with a B miles of space that they had to tra- traverse to get there. Wow! And then you know once Juno arrives, they're gonna they're gonna slow it down, put it in orbit, and uh, eventually fly closer to the gas giant than any other spacecraft ever has before, which is pretty darn cool. So. Uh, I don't know what your July 4th plans are, but if you like decided to go wild all afternoon and then you're like kind of feeling tired in the evening, it might be it might be a good thing for you to just check out and check out and see what NASA's up to because they're they're likely to be up to some cool stuff. Will they be um, they'll be live streaming from the approach or 
Is that something that's even possible? <laughs> I don't if think they're, they're going to be. I don't think they're live streaming. I th- I do think NASA TV will have a bunch of stuff that's interesting. They're going to be releasing data. You know, making 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 announcements. That's my favorite kind of fireworks: data fireworks. Um, you know it, man. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, so what are they hoping to observe or look for on, on, in, on Jupiter from being that close? Well, so the, the, the first thing that they're going to do, I mean, like the, they're hoping that, that the, the burn will be successful and they'll know that like right before midnight uh, Eastern time on July uh, July 4th. And then they're not going to do a ton of science in, in initially. It's going to do it's going to just rotate around for 53 days. But after the end of the first loop uh, around August 27th, it's going to make a close approach. And so mm-hmm. it's going to get a, a really good look at the planet with its instruments. And so that's uh, there's the onboard camera. It's called Juno Cam. Um, and then it's also doing um, a, a couple of things to see what the atmosphere is made out of and get a few more details on what's going on. But there's a, a reason why the orbit is so big, because like 53 days, you might be thinking, is a lot. And it is. Yeah. But Jupiter happens to be surrounded by a huge magnetic field. So there's like... A little bit of a problem there because it can produce an electric current that can make it a little bit uh, difficult for instruments to work correctly. Right. Um, would so, it would it possibly shut down the the entire thing, or is that a risk at all, or is it just going to futz with it? It would probably fry the electronics on the spacecraft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's been like equipped with like special shielding and armor to like reduce exposure, but. You know, like it's a lot of radiation. Um, one of the folks that Lauren talked to about this, because we have a story up on our site, has basically said that, you know, it's the equivalent of 100 million dental x rays. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, so you, a jacket would not help in that case. Probably. No. So, you know, it's it, there's, it's going to be cool. I, I, I am personally really excited. Like, I think part of what this can potentially help do is help us figure out what Jupiter's history is. Because, you know, uh, a lot of people think that Jupiter formed from huge chunks of ice and other debris that were really far away from the sun. And they became like this dense core that allowed Jupiter to pull in gases and other heavier elements. And then it sort of migrated towards the sun a little bit more. And there the, is something solid in the middle of Jupiter, yeah, right. that's the thought. Okay. okay. But they don't and know then, that. They don't know that for sure? Uh, well, I don't, I don't think we know that for sure. We might know that for sure. <laughs> I'm not okay. sure. I'm not up on my planetary science as much as <laughs> it should be. But another, you know, I mean, like, there's, there's, there are a lot of sort of theories about how this was formed. Like, did it form someplace else and migrate? Was it formed where it was? How dense was it? Um, but, you know, these, these, these questions are things that this, this mission could potentially uh, answer in part by studying how much uh, water is in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of what they're doing. That's what the, some of the instrumentation is for specifically. Um, and it, then the other big point of study is the potential core. They're trying to figure out if there's a dense core under all of the circulating gases and liquids. There might be, there might not be. Uh, it might be rocky. It might not be rocky. No one really quite knows. It's uh, a lot of pressure in there. <laughs> I have a maybe a possibly really dumb question. But if there is a solid core in the middle of Jupiter and the rest of all that gas and, and all the stuff that we see on the outside is just like, it's just gases. It's just like this sort of, who knows? We'll f- I guess we'll figure out what, what it's made of. But does that make the size of Jupiter smaller, like the size of its solid core and the rest of it is atmosphere? Or is that all still planet? It's all still planet. It's all planet. Okay. All planet. Like some planets are just gassy. That's just like, 
That's just how it is. Man. I'll say. Like, you know, like I, I think we've all been there at one time or another. <laughs> Man, do you, uh, as a as a person who 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 covers science and has to also as a as an editor, you have to plan content around mm. science. Is it kind of cool or like convenient on your end of things when NASA just decides, okay, like this is gonna be Pluto month, and this is gonna be like we're gonna have two months of solid Jupiter content. It's sort of like like when I get like when we approach the shows that we cover yeah. on our site or like we're in the middle of a Game of Thrones season or um, Mr. Robot is coming up like that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna be extremely blunt with you like my long term planning skills are not phenomenal and this is a problem <laughs> because NASA like this 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 probe has, has been headed to Jupiter for a while it's like one of those things where like uh, you know like you'll remember like some probe will launch and you're like that's cool and then like 12 years later NASA's like by the way we're almost there and you're like oh, I forgot about that oh yeah like I guess that is still happening huh I guess that's you know? like when something like Avatar comes out that's been being made for 10 years or something yeah. you're like oh my god I forgot there's gonna be another Avatar right 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 <laughs> exactly like that so like that's that to me is the real challenge like I'm always thrilled to like put up cool space photos and like learn a little bit more about um you know what's going on in our our uh our neighborhood really because yeah. i'm a nosy neighbor so like that part of it is very cool and it's definitely something where you know i think it's probably comparable to like the way that you handle game of thrones but the the problem is the lag time between like that and like the mission start because you cover the mission start usually and like you talk about like the financing and like what what's going to be done and then they launch the thing and then you forget about it for like years you know like, what it's more years. like you know what it's more like oh you mean when you, they start financing the thing the start they start financing the mission because i was going to say it's like video game coverage where it's like this thing's going to come out here's a new here's a new picture from it here's a new thing we know about the gameplay and then the game comes out and then it's just like a lot of after that like anecdotal stuff about oh here's one weird thing you can do in this game or especially if it's like an open world game like grand theft auto or something like that um that feels like like you know, circling Pluto or something like that. It's like, oh, here's here's another new thing we learned today. Like none of it's all none of it's planned. Once the thing is out there, none of it's planned. It's all kind of uh, serendipitous discoveries and material and stuff. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Like it's just like there's always stuff that surprises you. You know, like the heart on Pluto. Like that was a surprise. I didn't yeah, know that, that was cute. gonna happen. <laughs> so that's you know, I, I, there there are going to be surprises. Just get ready for some Jupiter surprises. I'm so ready for some Jupiter. Uh, uh, oh, never mind. I can't even think of a. I was going to try to make a Jupiter ascending joke, but I cannot think of one. If you can That's think okay. of a good Jupiter ascending joke, please tweet it. <laughs> but no, no drops of Jupiter jokes, please. <laughs> I, but yeah, you're going to be getting sick of those real quick. Liz, there was a finale for season six of Game of Thrones this week. 
Uh, oh, there sure was. Did you notice? Not only did I notice, I stacked a bunch of points from a wildfire explosion. Yeah, because you had drafted Kyburn in our right. uh, Game of Game of Thrones, which is a very savvy move. I, you know, just as a little inside baseball, I tried to counsel Jameson to pick Kyburn instead of, I believe, Tristane Martell, who we ended up picking because Jameson was building a team of hunks, and uh, that's just that's just what happens. Hunks died this year in droves. Hunks. Have been dying on that show for quite some time. Like that boring Stark boy who was a, the original King of the North oh, and Rob. like didn't understand like the point of a marriage alliance. You mean Rob Stark? Yeah. Like <laughs> he was beautiful but stupid, and I was happy to get rid of him. Yeah. I mean, the trend on the show, especially this season, has been either compromising or completely killing off and taking off the board what we would consider to be stereotypical hero Prince Valiant type characters. I mean, the biggest example of that from the get-go has been Jamie as like this Prince Charming guy who's actually sleeping with his sister. Whoop, what a twist. Um, but, you know, I think to a certain degree, and I know this isn't the first time I've said this, and I know I'm not the only person who thinks this. I think they're kind of, I don't want to say it. They are kind of overdoing it. I think they're overcompensating for how mad people were about last season. I, 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 while I love every single development, I would have loved it more if it didn't feel like an apology, you know. Mm. But that's yeah. that's me looking a gift horse in the mouse because in the mouse <laughs> in the mouth because it's still so awesome to see even characters we hate like Cersei take the Iron Throne like all in her black armor i mean oh my god i am so here for it i love that throwback to the breastplate she wore during the the, uh, (laughs) battle of blackwater yeah and like she is like she's nutty man well she looks like a knight now that's the thing in that scene when she had her long hair and she had her stupid little booby breastplate and now she looks i wrote this twice in my recap because the, the, the 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 resemblance was uncanny to me she looks like joffrey she, she looks like, look Joffrey like Joffrey. Now. She has Joffrey's hair, and she's wearing like this thing. With, I don't know what you call that chain that goes across the front of of her outfit, but she's wearing a very masculine outfit. And now she's the queen, and and I'm I'm so I'm very here for it. I will be disappointed if, as some people have predicted, that this this particular reign does not last very long, due to the fact that I don't know. There's like any number of reasons for her to get killed and or um or somebody to contest her reign. Like I feel like there are many many reasons why somebody would be like, hey, wait a second, why did this happen? I feel like there are many, many reasons why no one's going to say shit to her, and they're called drag- like wildfire, and they're still under the city. Yeah, but you know you almost just said? Dragons. And guess I what's did just almost also say coming to Westeros? Also coming to a Westeros near you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm so... And now I feel bad about, like like slagging on all the girl power this season because I don't know it's so cool like I'm still I, we didn't talk about it but like one of my favorite things that happened this season is Yara and and Danny teaming up like Yara oh, who is very much a she wasn't even in like two seasons in a row I always kind of liked her I thought she was kind of like tough and funny or like I don't know, she she felt different than a lot of the other female characters even though like I think that Game of Thrones tends to be very good about its female characters she just felt like completely different from any of the ones we had met before and um i guess i guess some of that was explained because she's you guys she likes girls yeah that was like a little bit on the nose but i saw i saw somebody on twitter like but she's straight in the books and i was like 
like, have you considered that she is possibly bisexual both in the books and on the screen? Right. Then there's no conflict. Yeah. So just throwing that out there. I don't know. I mean, I saw a lot of people be like, oh, like you can't have a powerful woman and have her like not. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. She's, you know, she's she's hanging out with the the prostitutes in Volantis and stuff. And I saw people, some people take issue with that, saying that, like, you know, she's she she has a masculine kind of power that's like represented in a very obviously masculine way. But you know what? She's the only female character who's like that on the show. Like there are a lot yeah. of f- powerful female I'm, characters on the show that do not do that. So I don't know. It's like another... the only thing that's close to her is Arya. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Arya is the only one who kind of dabbles in drag a little bit, which I I love. Like I don't know, and and I guess well, Brienne isn't powerful, but she's like you know a little less conventionally, yeah. and that, and that's what I think is interesting. I will say about Marjorie leaving us is that while I love Marjorie, it feels like there's not a place for her kind of power on the show anymore. Like she's very much in that like like court courtly uh machinations and charm and getting your way through your feminine wiles like that thing is marjorie's power like that that is her her number one power and i feel like it's gonna start to get a lot more ugly and then and like direct and confrontational in the next couple seasons and i don't think she would have lasted long even if she hadn't have died in the sept but that's my so I want to run something by you, speaking of women in power, Mm -hmm. because I felt like the Theon-Yara relationship was like a a bizarro world relationship of Sansa and Jon Snow, Hmm. because Theon knew he shouldn't lead. Yes. But Jon Snow, who is a moron, did not. (laughs) Like, I am sorry. I wish Jon Snow had stayed dead. He is so stupid. He is the stupidest character. I really... Like... Okay, what does Sansa tell him? Whatever whatever Ramsay wants, don't do it, right? And so he's got this whole plan that involves luring uh, Ramsay in so that they can crunch him. And the second that, like, you know, the Rikon comes out, like, and gets shot, Jon Snow, the moron, abandons his careful plan, the thing that could potentially get him to victory. Did you call despite the Rickon Rikon? That just took me like five seconds to understand. Oh, sorry. Rickon. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the, that it's guy's like, who's name. Who's Rikon? The, the Stark brother that nobody gives a shit yeah, about. Yeah, no, that, no. Like, doesn't the one appear who, like, in the series. had a growth spurt in, the last, in like the two years since we've, la- we've last seen him, so you don't even recognize him, much yeah, less like, right. care about him <laughs> um, but like you know he totally flubs that and like Sansa pulls his ass out of the fire and his response is to be like yes I should definitely be king in the north because I would be a good king and it's just like dude your sister saved your ass your well, sister should be the king in the north she also I mean this has been discussed at length from the second to last episode but she also kind of messed up by not just saying yo I've got an army hold off a couple more days the army will show up and then we'll just march out with everybody instead of like waiting to like she it's like she was writing the show and she's like no we've got to have the Han Solo pops out of the sun moment for the know. sake of the show I mean I I thought that that was I just and then this week in the in the finale she's like okay I'm sorry, I should have told you. It's like, why didn't you? Like, it's not Because she didn't want Littlefinger's help. Like, ideally, she didn't want But the, she wrote thing. to him and asked for an army. Well, after she realized her brother was an idiot, what else was she going to do? I don't know. I mean, I love Sansa. I'm not here. I, I just, I don't, I do not see a situation in which she would have been leading 
Winterfell because of two things. One, she didn't come back from the dead and she doesn't have an army of wildlings who have been like, who are like extremely loyal to her. And two, the show doesn't apparently think that she is, should be like, I, I the show is messaging the way that, like the way that she is presented as a character versus how John is feels very different. John feels like he's on a path, a very, very clear path. He is a prince that has promised, all that stuff. I think that's personally very boring. It's like my least favorite part of the show right now. But Agreed. the show seems determined that this is the way it's going to go. So I don't know. I mean, Sansa could just end up like hanging out with Littlefinger again, which would also be kind of lame. But I kind of like when she's in goth mode too. So I don't yeah, Goth Sansa's great. I mean, like, there is an argument to be made that she shouldn't have uh, let Ramsay Bolton be ripped apart by his dogs, but I sort of enjoyed her character development when she did it. Why shouldn't she have, just to keep him around as, like, for, I don't know, entertainment purposes? <laughs> well, one of the things that Game of Thrones has been really good at doing is, like, not letting us feel good about deaths of villains. Like, when right, Joffrey yeah. died... Like, we were all rooting for Joffrey to die, but then it was, like, a pathetic death. Yeah. And you, like, really felt for him. Like, he was, like, all of a sudden, he was just just a sad little kid. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, there was some, like, a lot of these, like, villainous deaths have had these, like, humanizing moments where you realize that even though this person is bad, like, their death isn't good. Well, that's the problem with Ramsay, though, right? That's why he sucks, not just as a character within the world of the story, but for our purposes, watching at home, there's really nothing complex about him. He's just this evil, this cartoonish evil guy who does, like, a more evil thing every week. And, like, it's unpleasant, but it's also uninteresting. So, I don't know. I feel like the fact that we were given that, like, oh, yeah, like, stick it to him, Sansa moment is... So, I don't know. I, it's it's indicative of how he was set up as a character. Yeah, I don't know that there's any way that you could, like, kill Ramsay and have it be an ambivalent moment like Joffrey was. I mean, it would. I think it would be more poetic and interesting if Ramsay just has a completely banal death. Like, if what happened to Ramsay... If Ramsay? Uh, Ramsay. Like, like the Ramsay Egyptian... And... Uh, yeah, is there, like, a pharaoh's name or something? Ramsay right? and Rikon. Yeah. <laughs> Ramsay and Rikon. <laughs> we watch Gom of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, what, what looks like is going to happen to John at a certain point in that episode. We're, we're talking about episode 9 now, more, more than we're talking about 10 but I think it's it has to do with the, the the overall direction of the show when it seems like John's gonna get trampled to death and it's like and I for a second I'm like oh what an interesting death for that character he just gets crushed like everybody else like that's a very I don't know it feels very Game of Thrones to me it's like not a heroic death it's not in the spotlight or anything he just gets crushed if that happened to Ramsey I think that would be really interesting too just like yeah he dies, like he, but you you don't get to enjoy it. It just happens. Right. Yeah, like he gets like you know accidentally smashed by the giant who's trying to smash something else or something. Right. Yeah. R.I.P. Giant. <laughs> one one. I miss you. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, so at the at, by the end of this episode, what we were getting at is just 
we're getting to a Game of Thrones that is like entirely a matriarchy, save for Jon Snow, who also happens to be the most uninteresting part of the show. Isn't it weird how when all of when it's all women in charge, there is a man who is foredained, not that I'm talking about Dune here, but I'm totally talking about <laughs> Dune, who's going to save everybody. And it's like, you have all these capable women around. Like, what if you just didn't, like, what if you just chilled on the prophecy a little? I think I think Melisandre just just needs to come back and take take over Winterfell from Jon so that she can be the one in the north and then you've just got like a diverse cross section of cultures and ideals and values ruling all the different corners of Westeros and I think it would be great. Um, are we are we going to see a Wester exit? Ooh yeah. Wait who would who would Wester exit? Uh, Dorne. Dorne would Wester exit. Yeah, but. Doran would be, I mean, does that match up with what we think of as, like, being, like, like what's actually going on politically with... with, with well, I, I was thinking about this because Yara's thing was like, well, we don't really want to be part of the Seven Kingdoms anymore. And Danny was like, why don't we win? And then we can negotiate that later. And I would not be entirely surprised to find out that Doran has a similar deal. I don't know why... Uh, the Iron Islands don't want to be a part of West, or like no, no, rather I don't know why Westeros wants to keep the Iron Islands around if they want out so badly. Like what? Why? Like <laughs> because if they're not politically obligated to like the king or whatever, then they'll um, just they're just gonna they'll rape and reeve and all those other things that Yara's sad about leaving behind. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, th- at the end of this episode, I, was, I, I, I tweeted this. I stand by it. I'm more excited for this show than I've ever been. It does feel like it feels fan servicey in a way that I'm not used to working on me. Because usually I recognize fan service when I see it, and I'm like nonplussed. And this completely is all of the things that I, if I was still an avid fanfic writer, I would have written fanfic about all these characters that have gotten together and banded together, like banding together. Like that would have been my number one wish list thing. And it's happening. It's actually happening yeah. on the show, which is cool. Uh, and I have no complaints. I think it's a matter of time before the Starks get added to the Targaryen alliance. I'm just yeah. going to throw that out there, yeah. especially given that you know you have a Stark who's a Targaryen. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think they they have they said they have 13, possibly 15 at the most episodes left in the show. So there's two more seasons that are going to be shorter. I think they're going to be like seven and six episodes. So the hours are numbered for, for Thronesland. And that'll be it. No more no more sequels, spinoffs. No more stage plays about all the characters 20 years later. <laughs> Shout out to J.K. <laughs> Rowling. Yeah, so... We'll just enjoy it until that time. Thank you, television. Above the shadows on the wall They're not as bad as they appear Could it be that it's the season of the show? So while I, we have felt television to thank for, for Game of Thrones, I, I would like to talk for a minute about uh, sharks, which television owes an apology to. Yeah, especially sci-fi. Like this Shark Week shit. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, thank you. Just like, okay. So there was like a period where we all like, and I want to say it was like a brief period in the 90s, but maybe it was the early 2000s where we all understood that like as terrifying as sharks are, they're also like not that 
scary. Like you, you're yeah. more likely to like be hit on the head by a coconut and die that way than you are to be attacked by a shark. Yes. It's just a particularly nasty way to die, right? Like, it's it's very know, visual and it's very visceral, so it lends itself well to cinema, and I think that's why it ends up happening in movies so often more like more often than it happens in real life. I, I just gonna I'm gonna be real with you because I looked up some quick statistics. So you have about a one in three point seven million chance of dying in a, a shark attack, according to the University of Florida's Museum of Natural History. Now, does that mean in general the entire population or people who who spend time in the water, say surfers? In in general, the entire pop. Well, yeah, I mean, population. I know I'm not gonna die by a shark attack because I'm like never in the water, but I don't know. Well, but even if you do, like, spend a bunch of time on the beach. I mean, you you mostly are are you're still more likely to drown or die of sun exposure. That's <laughs> like, true. Those you know those statistics don't really seem to to matter to people who um, are afraid of sharks. But I just wanted to put them there in my extremely uncomforting way uh, <laughs> before we have this discussion about yes. the shallows. Yeah, the shallows is a movie that came out this past weekend. So uh, and it actually did pretty well. Now I'm going to look up. The Shallows box office, but it was directed by um, Jean Nicolas. Man, I'm gonna mess it up. Um, I, 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 it's a French director, and he directed um, he directed Nonstop, which is a movie. He's like an action director, suspense director. I think he did High Tension also, which was like a, uh, he's respected. Anyway, is what I'm saying. This is a movie about a female surfer played by Blake Lively who is on a spiritual quest in Mexico to visit a beach that her mother visited when she became pregnant with her <laughs> and then she's eaten by sharks and then she's eaten by sharks yeah no no uh, no she, she basically she's in a situation where she is going surfing by herself in this little inlet like this very beautiful beach she's in the shallow part of the water hence the name she's not far from the shore which is part of what makes the suspense and the construct of the movie so good actually is that you see the beach you can see people walking on the beach that can't hear her when she's crying crying for help like they are within eye eye shot but not within earshot which is sort of like a great kind of torturous device i think but she gets there's a dead there's a dead whale that, that that's the inciting thing and so this this little inlet has become the shark's feeding ground and she is out on her own gets bitten by the shark is bleeding stitches herself up with <laughs> a necklace she, okay she threads a necklace uh to stitch up her leg it's pretty gnarly um i mean it's 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 i saw i think uh, i'm i'm gonna misattribute this so i'm just i'm not gonna say who said it but uh, uh one critic that i follow on twitter referred to it as a revenant with a female lead which is it's accurate uh, it's definitely more of a b movie than than the revenant was but the appeal is the same it's not my kind of movie i will go on record saying i do not like survival gore and survival horror i think it's like the most unpleasant unenlightening sub subgenre of like suspense film but it was fine it was an okay film um but anyway i was thinking through the whole thing was why i wanted to talk to you about it 
it really does just like very, very uh, conventionally play into this thing of like sharks are terrifying and sharks are like super smart also and it'll just come and get you. Like, sh- well, that's I think what really scares people, right? Yeah. Is the is the unexpected approach? Yeah, yeah, because that's it. Like all of the all of the parts that are really suspenseful are like when you see the camera underwater and you see her legs, and you're like, oh god, no! Like you know, it's very Jaws like in that way. And I haven't seen Jaws in years, so I can't even remember you know all the ways that that film works. But I do remember that, and I don't know. I just I remember as a kid being. Uh, I feel like I feel like sharks did have like a huge PR push in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> like don't be scared of sharks sharks are cool and they're smart and they don't care about you most of the time they're not going to try to eat you uh, they've got other things on their minds uh, you are not the center of attention you stupid human like that was basically the, <laughs> the messaging I feel like and there was a there's a shark exhibit at our local aquarium that I visited yeah. probably like 18 times in my life and Um, Well, even when they do attack surfers, it's accidental because what happens is when you're on a surfboard and your legs are flailing around, you look like, I want to say it's the turtles that they prey on. Mm. They're like actually not interested in people, really. Like they really, you know, like we're just not interesting to them. Because if they were, they would come to beaches where people are swimming all the time. Yeah. Um, So like usually it's like a case of mistaken identity, (laughs) like when a shark goes after somebody. But I I do have some some positive shark related news. Okay, we have recorded the first ever ultrasound of a pregnant tiger shark. Uh huh. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. We have it up on the site. Uh, It's definitely sharks. There are I like like three of them, Uh, although there are, you know, well, oh, sorry. No, there are 20 of them. 20 of them. I'm looking at it right now. Holy, I saw this on the... No, this is not real, right? The the ultrasound? The that's GIF? real. The GIF is real. Um, so You're they have kidding outlines. me. That's so crazy. They have outlines around the shark so you can see where they are in the ultrasound. That's what those like white lines are. But yeah, those are, those are oh sharks. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, please go look at this if you're by your computer right now. This is insane. Uh... Yeah, they're totally sharks inside. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I totally thought that this was like a... I thought that this was another entry in, in the Verges series of, of robot babies, <laughs> which you should also check out on our website. Uh, and I was like... Because the headline just says, congratulations, it's sharks. And I just thought, oh, it's like a shark baby robot. <laughs> nope, it's a pregnant shark. Wow. Congratulations, you're pregnant with sharks. That's incredible. Well, I mean... So that was like a, a shark that was in captivity or like a shark in a zoo or something like that? It was um, it was the University of New England. Like they, they released a video, which is really cool and which we have embedded in our post. And I think, it was, I think it was like a shark that they had found outdoors because they're doing all of the examining and the um, ultrasound like in the ocean. Mm. So, I, you know, wow. it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's. Probably the best two minutes and ten seconds I've spent on the internet today. So I mean, it does just look like a bunch of sharks piled inside of the shark, like a bunch of hot dogs. Like it's like it's so cute. It's like they're all just kind of hanging out in there. Yeah, man, shark babies. <laughs> um, Love them. Cool. Well, I mean, you know, I I was sort of wondering because because I was remembering this time when we were supposed to be chill about sharks, and now between like Shark Week. Well, the Shark Week was around then, too, but I feel like the Shark Week programming was different. 
in the 90s. Am I wrong about I didn't have cable as a kid, but I... I didn't have cable as a kid either, so I couldn't tell you (laughs) This tells you everything you need to know about this podcast. You have two children who were deprived of cable television. (laughs) Mamas, don't let your children not watch television. Yeah. I I don't know. It feels like now Shark Week has become much more of the kind of, like... It's more in the kind of stoner content. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And like to the degree where like certain marine biologists object to it. So. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like we've kind of like the pendulum on, on our, our shark attitudes have, have shifted back somehow. I wonder if how we feel about sharks uh, is uh, tied to other factors, cultural factors or econo- the economy. Or the economy. That was my first thought. <laughs> like. Do we do we uh, do we fear sharks when our economy is in trouble? I don't know. Um, the shark fear indicator. Yeah, who knows? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel like there's some there's some things that are so ridiculous that happen in this movie, The Shallows. That just feel like don't we know a little bit? Like like you know now we talk about this all the time. We talk about stuff like Mr. Robot, where it's like you can't get away with as much stupid fake tech stuff in film and TV anymore. People are too smart. Your average person is too smart to go along with it. And I feel like people should be too smart to like think that they're like that sharks are like these predatory like terminator robots in the ocean that come after people like with like heat seeking accuracy. I I I would think that that we were too smart for that now, but apparently it still fuels a lot of entertainment. So, I don't know. Well, uh, we'll do our best to learn more about sharks and more about Jupiter in the next couple of months. And we'll just be like more educated and less fearful about both. Sounds good. I'm into it. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, you guys. We will be back next week. We're just going to keep doing the podcast. At a certain point, I feel like we might have to take a break because this week is this this month is going to be uh, crazy for me personally. But as far as I know, next week we're still on. And so please subscribe to us if you haven't already on iTunes. You can also find us on Spotify. And as I learned this week, only on your phone, only on Spotify mobile, and only if you update your Spotify app because I had not done that in about a year. So uh, be sure to update your apps and subscribe to VergeSP. You can also find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash VergeSP. And you can tweet at us. I am at Emily Yoshida, and Liz is at Miss Lapato, MS Lapato. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your sharks. Enjoy your sharks. Bye.